BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This Ben Jarofsky Show, Benny J Bonus Interview is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. It is Tuesday, October 1st, as I speak. Of course, you'll be listening to this whenever. It's a podcast. It lives forever and ever and ever. Uh, but the issues we'll be talking about uh, in this show are actually very current, and we'll get into all that. But first, as we always do in Ben Jarofsky Bonus Time, I ask my distinguished guest, to introduce him or herself, in this case, or herself. So, distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Oh, distinguished guest. Very nice. <laughs> Hi, Chicago. I am Andrea Parker. I am a CPS teacher. I have been with CPS since 2004. <clears throat> Currently, I teach middle school at Robert Fulton Elementary, 6th through 8th grade reading. And I am a member of the Chicago Teachers Union Executive Board, as well as the chair of the Communications Committee. And I am so delighted to be here today. Yes, indeed. And she's also <laughs> left out one thing, which uh -oh. the reason why uh, Andrea came to my attention, she's the co-host of her own podcast. Yes, I am. Which uh, I watch and I go, man, let's get this lady on my show. You did. It's podcast CTU Speaks. That's right. It's a product from the communications committee. So yes, yes. I'm excited about that. All right. And the reason, obviously, uh, I had an urgency to get Andrea on. Uh, I would have brought you on anyway, even if there wasn't a pending teacher. Of strike. course you would have. Um, but it's on my mind a lot lately. I just wrote a column about it, which hasn't yeah. come out yet, but this stuff is really on my mind. And uh, I don't make any, everybody knows where I come from, Andrea, mm -hmm. with these things. I'm very pro-union and very pro-teacher. Everybody uh, should be. Uh, it's unfortunately not. And uh, some people are a little slower than others. Uh, but I have a feeling that the teacher story has not gotten out enough. So uh, I would like to, to talk about that a little bit, just getting the message out, but also why, what are the issues that, and how they relate to people who are in the classroom, teachers in the classroom, kids in the classroom, so folks understand why teachers are putting themselves through this. Yeah. Uh, we had a strike vote. 94% of the teachers voted. Ooh, uh, ooh, that's right. Uh, CPS, yes. <laughs> uh, CTU to, to, to strike. 94% is no joke. It's no so, joke. So um, before we uh, go a little further in the issues, tell folks a little bit more about yourself, how you got into teaching, why. You're Chicago and born and raised, correct? Born and raised. Born and raised on the south side. Actually, I was born and raised in the back of the yard neighborhood, the same neighborhood in which my school is located. I went to High Park High School. And um, that's there where I found a love for journalism. I had a journalism teacher, something that a lot of our high schools don't have now, especially in low-income neighborhoods. And I majored in journalism, but um, when I graduated, I was a lot of freelance work, but it wasn't paying the bills, so I was subbing. And while I was subbing, I just you know had a heart for kids. I had... Um, I was looking at these children in middle school, and I was seeing a lot of them without curriculum. They didn't have a love for reading and writing like I did. And 
and just having some conversations with them and talking something, um, talking about poetry and just seeing them write some poems and some short stories, I was like, wow, I was able to cultivate that into them. And I was just like, I would hate for a child to grow up and be 30 or 40 when they realize they were really good at something. And I said, it's my responsibility, it's my moral responsibility to do my best to cultivate what I can out of young people. And so I was able to merge my love of reading and writing and my you know, love of young people and my love of education and be able to teach students. So that's how I got involved. I said, let me go back to school and get my um, degree in elementary education. And every principal I talk to that I've taught at, you know, I tell them I have a love for writing. And I'm just like the word connoisseur and I have a love of literature and I've always, you know, basically taught middle school reading and writing. So that's my story. Now, how many years have you been teaching, did you say? Um, since 2004. So 2004. I was 16. And always in the Chicago public schools? <laughs> always in CPS. Uh, and uh, always, have you been at the same school the whole time? No, this is my fifth year at Robert Fulton. I've been in previous schools before that. Um, Schools shut down, you know, closed schools down. And so, you know, you're constantly all over the place with CPS. It's like it's a, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's a great, it's a blessing to be at one school for like over 20 years. And I hear somebody seven at the same school for like 20 years. I'm like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's an anomaly. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's sort of like the uh, educational equivalent of Reggie Miller, uh, who I know you're not a sports fan, but I play. am a sports fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we talked about that. Did Probably, we? Yeah, we uh, talked about Aaron Rodgers. Oh my God! Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, I know. She's a Packer fan. Well, I told no a person fan, Aaron Rodgers fan. Teams change too much. All right. So well, all right. Well, Reggie Miller stayed with one team, the Indiana Pacers, forever, he did. and uh, it's very rare for a basketball player to do that is very rare for a teacher to do that now true. Uh, but this is leading up to the question i was going to ask before i got distracted by the memory that you I love know. aaron Rodgers, number 12 for the green bay back oh so okay <laughs> might be a little sneak fan a little secret fan over there no uh, way i know his jersey okay. number <laughs> just seen it so many times burying my beloved chicago bears he's great uh, okay, okay. Um, all right let's stick to the okay, education sorry. and stay away from the bears packers all mm-hmm. right so one thing i've discovered about teachers, particularly teachers in the city of Chicago, Mm -hmm. is that when they start out, they're uh, so uh, idealistic. Mm. And uh, there comes a point <laughs> where they get crushed. Mm. And, this, and I, I've written many articles of many years about teachers who've hit that moment. Right. It, it's sort of like Chicago voters who suddenly hit this is a tangent within a tangent and all of a sudden wake up and realize, oh my God, this is a tyrant running this city. Right. Uh, anyway, so did you have a moment like that? Or were you, have you been blessed in that you've remained uh, idealistic about uh, teachers and the role they play in the city? I'm still idealistic um, when I look at students individually. I won't say I'm idealistic when it comes to system-wide changes. I want to be. And um, in many cases, I feel like as long as we work together, we can be. Um, but I look at I look at it, you know, one student at a time. I look at my students and I look at a lot of them who <clears throat> are, you know, lack motivation, you know, have bad poor attendance. And I mean, you know, show them an article, show them a video of something, read something to them, have them write something, have them get involved in some kind of contest. And I see their eyes spark and I just, that's great. And so when I think about all the political things that go on in CPS, yes, I don't like it. Um, Yes, I was shocked about like, wow, I feel like there's not a, you know, love for teachers outside the classroom. I feel like there's a lot of disdain for teachers. I've hear all this negative talk. Teachers don't do enough of this. They don't enough of that. They overpay this. They they spoiled. And you hear all this negative talk about teachers. And I'm like, wow, you just don't 
understand. And it's just, I wish you would come into the classroom and experience what I experienced. Um, but it still doesn't take me away from the school. I still love what I do. I still love seeing the change in students, the shift in their mindset from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. I love seeing students go on to high school and come back and say, you know, it's Parker. I was mad because, you know, you had me doing all this work and I didn't understand, but you know, now I get it and I appreciate, you know, the work and I love hearing a student read a book and say, Oh, Miss Parker, this book is good. I just don't want to put it down. And I love those kind of things. So despite all the, the flack that we get from our employer in many cases and from people who do not know our story and make judgments um, without experiencing it. Um, it does not keep me from doing what I'm doing. I'm going to still be a teacher. I'm going to still educate. I'm going to still be in the classroom, do the best that I can do and encourage others to do the same. All right. Well, there was uh a contentious strike in 2012 where I thought uh, it was the, that moment when teachers in, in the city of Chicago and I applauded them for it finally said I've had it we've had enough yes uh, we're not just going to have things forced down our throats uh, told uh, constantly to shut up and go along and fall yeah. in line that whole attitude that's the top-down attitude that's Correct. existed uh, and so there was the strike now here we are what is it? I got to do the quick math. Sorry that uh, seven years later, and um, we're at a, a similar moment. We are. What what sort of things do you see that are similar between what went down in 2012 and what's happening right now? Uh, yeah, I feel like there are some disrespect still taking place. I feel we've been bargaining since basically January. It is um, October now, and I just don't know why bargaining got to take so long. I just think when you have a contract. You know it's about to expire June 30th. Like, I would think in, theoretically, you would think that you have a contract July 1st. Mm -hmm. That's when you feel like you're putting forth effort. I'm going to do that. Uh, we know that we say, oh, we got a new mayor. We got to do this. We got to do that. You know, all these people telling us, well, it's a new mayor. You know, Ron was a new mayor as well. And it's, so it's always what we need to do. What we need to push back on and, and, and just let things go. But I feel like there's a lot of disrespect and just seeing what teachers are going to do? How far are we going to push them um, until we, till they reach their breaking point? And just seeing like, okay, this time they're not going to get their 90%. This time they're not going to get that 75% because that's what we have to do. Um, the threshold <laughs> vote you need to go you to have to get a that. strike. Yeah. Right. And so I just feel like, oh, they're not going to get that. You know, they didn't strike in 2016 and people were angry about that and people are tired of striking. So there's people who think they know us as teachers. I feel like they think that we're not going to be unified and let's divide and conquer, but that's not going to happen. And I feel like that's what was happening then in 2012 because it wasn't a strike within like, you know, for 25 years. And so like, this is not going to happen again. We know this is not going to happen, but that didn't, that wasn't the case. So just, just that. And again, I feel like just disrespect, like you can't do this. You can't do that. Um, just the general public or, you know, the media, or mainstream media saying, oh, take the deal. You're you're making more than most of Chicago, you know, citizens. And we're the ones paying for your raises. You should be happy. And just not understanding what we are fighting for and people, you know, telling our narrative and not us. So it, it, it was heartbreaking. And it's heartbreaking now that we have to be on the precipice of a strike because of the simple things that we want for our children that I look at as a moral responsibility. Like, why wouldn't you have a nurse in every school? Why wouldn't you have a librarian when you have a library with books in them? Why can't you have art and music? I had that when I was growing up. My mother is a product of Chicago Public Schools. She had art and music and they even had, you know, automotive classes mm -hmm. when they were growing up. I feel like it's getting, we're getting less and less and less. And I just, I just feel like that's not fair. And I'm seeing that 
And it's like, hey, just d- deal with it. Get the raise and forget everything else. All right. Let's 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 take it point by point. Sure. I, I, I get uh, messages all the time for the mayor's supporters. Uh, who I So I hear all their messages. And I live on the north side of Chicago. And there's a lot of resentment. Uh, uh, some of the upper class, almost quasi-Republicans who live on the north side have sure. an attitude about uh, teachers. I'm not going to disguise it. And they sure. always give me the grief. Like somehow or other, I control the teachers union. Right. Uh, your girl did this, da 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 It was in the old days with Karen Lewis. I get that all around. the time. Your girl did this. All right, so let's start with number one. And the one, um, the, 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 the one thing I hear all the time it's not the teachers I don't like, it's their union. Ooh. And it's Jesse Sharkey <laughs> and Stacey Davis Gates, that mean, evil Stacey Davis Gates, I really don't like Stacey Davis Gates, have uh, brainwashed the teachers who are all good people, but they're being misled by their, their, their leaders and uh, into uh, voting for a strike. The leaders just want to advance themselves and advance their careers, and they're using the teachers. So... I don't know if you've heard that. I hear it quite a bit. So what's your reaction to that? That was saying rhetoric with Karen Lewis, like, oh, she's evil. Um, and and people always saying that teachers are separate from the union. I hear, I heard a parent say, I love teachers, but I hate your union. Like, come on. Um, when I think of Chicago Teachers Union, I think about myself. I am a a proud card carrying of the Chicago Teachers Union. And I have a master's, I have two master's degrees. And I'm gonna tell you this, nobody can manipulate me into checking yes on a strike authorization vote. I'm a very intelligent woman. I'm sure that all of the teachers at CPS are very intelligent people. And I don't think that two people can manipulate anybody on what to do and how to do it. So I just think that it is a definitely attack on my character, attack on my intelligence, and an insult because our previous governor did say that Chicago teachers were kind of ignorant and didn't know any better. So um, when people say that, I think like, okay, what do you think about me? What do you think about my college degree and my background? Are you serious? So um, I do appreciate Justin. I do appreciate Stacey. Um, I, I think I'm thankful for their leadership and they do have to make tough decisions, but they don't make decisions on their own. I'm on the executive board and, and we have to vote on things and there are a lot of disagreements, but at the end of the day, I'm going to support my union and if we do have in, um, any disagreements, going to be held in-house, and that's that. And I support this impending strike. If we don't get the things that we need for our students, I support it. And it's not because I'm um, hypnotized by Stacey or Jesse, um, but because I love my students and I want what's best for them and their families. Hold on, I got my, my watch out. You were getting sleepy. Uh, right, right. Oh. <laughs> uh, all right, well, I hear that all the time. Uh, I do, and, too. And I heard it in 2012, by the way. Mm-hmm. Just You're absolutely correct. Always. To, uh, and here's another thing I hear. This is an interesting little... But do you hear some of that? You know, when it comes to police officers and their issues, you don't hear them say, oh, I love the police officer, but I hate the FOP. I mean, nobody says that. I don't hear that, but... Yeah. Uh, well, what I don't hear when it comes to police officers... I, I don't hear uh, people say that the, the, the Fraternal Order of Police have uh, hypnotized No, I don't hear that either. Officers. Like they're ignorant. Like, uh, come on. And, it's an insult. Uh, uh, but here's another thing that I hear a lot today. Um, follow me on this. That we love Karen Lewis, 
but the new leadership doesn't match up to Karen Lewis. So it's it's just sort of like they're undercutting uh, the credibility of a Jesse Sharkey or Stacey Davis Gates by comparing them to Karen Lewis, even though my memory is the same people were blasting oh, Karen Oh, yeah, Lewis. yes. She was all on CNN. It was just, just crucifying her, nailing her to the cross on, on these different news stations and look at her and look at her and putting her against, our, you know, Mayor Ron Emanuel. So it's the same thing. Same just rhetoric. Same rhetoric. Nothing new. All right. And then the, uh, the other thing I hear a lot of, and get your response to this, and this was uh, on the front page of my beloved Sun-Times, Ooh, a headline. So uh, and that it said, um, one of the few times I disagree with the Sun-Times, it said, teachers <laughs> take the money. Uh, mm. Well, t- take the deal, not take the money, my sure. bad. Uh, and essentially it was saying, take the money. The money's generous. Uh, the Tribune had the same, almost the same exact theme about uh, the tribute was a little more hostile to you guys. It was like, mm. they were like saying, you don't deserve it. We wouldn't give it to you, but mm-hmm. Lori's dumb enough to give it to you. So you better take it and not go on strike. So what's your response in general to the shut up and just take the money attitude? I was just very insulted by those articles to be quite frank uh, with you. Um, again, just very hostile. Like the we, teachers, like we are people that educate children and prepare them to go to college and be the next, you know, the next doctor, the next lawyer, the next engineer. We prepare these students for that. And I feel like you're not really listening and you, you don't really understand and you understand what you want to understand. And when you say things like take the deal, be quiet, she's trying. Uh, what are you just saying? It's like you're dismissing whatever, everything that we're saying. So when I um, <clears throat> read the, and I saw the article, I was like, wow, like, okay, take the deal is good. You know, you're lucky. The majority, you know, Chicagoans don't make what you make. And, and I'm like, I'm, who am I being compared to? All of Chicago, am I being compared to those with high school diplomas? Or who am I being compared to? We talk about I make more than a certain amount of people. Um, we live in Chicago. It's the third largest city in the country. There's a high cost. The, the housing prices are skyrocketing. It is very difficult for many people to live in decent neighborhoods. Uh, many teachers that I know have two or three roommates uh, uh, have to move out their neighborhoods. I know several teachers that move out their neighborhoods into another neighborhood because of gentrification. So please spare me. Um, so I'm fighting for my students. So again, when you have class size that are over 40 people in the classroom, I had 43 students in my classroom last year because of um, the fight and being and you enforcing our contract. I was able to get a, a classroom assistant, but that's still 43 kids in a classroom, 43, sixth graders, 43, sixth graders who need to learn foundational skills. who need to learn how to read and write and develop their fluency. Don't tell me, that that's an easy feat because a lot of people could not do that. So we want manageable class sizes. And I don't want to be able to say, hey, I got 50 kids in my classroom. And somebody say, oh, we'll try to get 25. No, I want that enforced. I want you to hire another teacher, not just for me, but for the students, so they can be able to have ask questions and be able to have small group. And so I can be able to meet their needs. I cannot meet the needs of 43 people, students on my own. Mm-hmm. Wait, Tom, I'm gonna make sure I understand this mm-hmm. exactly. You had 43 sixth graders I in did. one classroom. In one classroom. For a full year? Not, yes, for a full year. Well, after a while, we did split them up, but for at least half the year. So I would say to January. 
And so isn't there, people should know this who are listening, mm-hmm. uh, are there limits uh, uh, that the Board of Education has for the number of sixth graders yes, in the but it's not. Mm-hmm, yes, but it's not enforced. It's like 31, but it's not enforceable. They may, they have a task force, and like, okay, you know, well, it's, Talk to us what's happening. You can't really grieve over there. There's nothing you can really do. So if there's money in the budget, the principal can, you know, hire another teacher, which is very rare. So in other words, they have a general goal, a vague goal of 31 kids in a classroom. But if they don't meet that goal, if in fact there's 43 kids mm-hmm. in the classroom, then there's really nothing you can do about no, it. No, it's nothing. nothing you got to put up with it. You got to put up with it. And especially if the, if the principal says, oh, we don't have any money. We know that we know you're supposed to have 31, but we don't have any money to hire anybody else. What do you want us to do? And so it's nothing that you can do. So give folks an idea of what it, how difficult it is as a sixth grade teacher to teach with 43 <laughs> kids in a classroom. It's very difficult. I didn't even have enough desks for everybody. Like four kids had to sit at, a, at a, um, my, my table where I do my small groups. I couldn't really do my small groups effectively because I had kids there. So because I didn't have enough space. Um, I, had, I didn't have enough books. I had to constantly print out, you know, print out new things. Uh, I had kids constantly transferring in. So it was like a new kid almost every week. It was just, it was a lot. And I did eventually, after a couple months, I did get an aid, but just being able to train her and how to deal with small group, because this is a person who, you know, is at, you know, out of college and, and learning as well. So it was, it's a lot uh, with classroom management, just dealing with um, students and their different needs. You have students that are very high, students that are low, students that are shy, students that are afraid to speak out, you know, loud and, Kids who are very, you know, overpowering and take, take over conversation. So you have to have great classroom management. And by the, you know, grace of God, I did and I do, but it's still a challenge because I feel like some kids did not get my best because I didn't have the time for them. And then just think about grading papers, grading essays. Think, and, I'm, and I'm just talking about 43 kids in the room. I had like 115 students. I have sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. But you think about just grading those assignments, grading those essays. That is a lot of work. How many classes did you teach? I teach four. So four classes and you had 115 kids total. Right. right. So that's a lot of papers. To that's grade. a lot of papers, especially the essays. It's no joke. And a lot of names to remember. Take, a lot of names to remember. <laughs> a lot of work to take home. Yeah. A lot of um, just realize, you know, learning people's learning styles and their personality. Yeah. That's a lot. Wow, that is... A, that people take for granted. And uh, just so everybody knows, if you were in a suburban school system, let's say a Skokie or an Oak Park or an Evanston, uh, at, which are all unionized school systems, mm-hmm. I want to add. They have unions in Oak Park. They do. Evanston, Skokie, uh, New Trier, okay, uh, up in Winneka and Wilmette, they have unions. They do. Uh, they have limits in their contracts that will not, per, per, uh, will not allow a school to put more kids uh, than, let's say, whatever the limit is. I think it's a way less than 43 or 31. I think right. it's in the 20s somewhere. It's as it should be. should be no more than 25 if you ask me. 25. As that, it that, should that, be. that way, what's the, what's the difference? Explain the difference as a teacher. Oh, by the way, let me just finish my point. Go ahead. So what they would do is uh, if they violated, if the Board of Education in New Trier or Oak Park violated the cap on kids in a classroom, mm-hmm. you could file, you would say, hey, there's this violation. You have to change it. If they didn't change it, you would file a grievance. Uh, but most likely what they would do, they have to at some points, like maybe even create, hire a new teacher. Absolutely. Yes. And when it comes to our kids, 
I'm not saying that we don't have a budget. I'm not saying that we have an uh, infinite amount of money in this city, but I'm a parent. And when it comes to providing something of quality to my son, I'm not going to, if I think he needs a tutor, let's say I need my son needs a tutor. I'm not going to look for the cheapest tutor. I'm going to look for the best tutor and money's not going to be an option for me when it comes for the best for my child. And I feel like, and I know that CPS students belong to the city and we supposed to care about them. So when I want the best for them, I'm going to make sure I get them the best. I'm not going to try to cut corners and say, okay, instead of me hiring a teacher, I'll just give this teacher an A. What is that saying to our students? What is that saying to our kids when they're in the classroom and they're sitting at tables because there's not enough desks to accommodate them when they're feeling uncomfortable and it's, they feel crowded, they feel like their needs are not being met. What is that saying to them? I, I don't understand, like, you know, get the money, get what they need so they can be able to thrive, so they can be able to listen and understand and not be in a situation where I have to compete for the teacher's attention. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. By the way, so in the middle of the school, you say they what they made an adjustment that they hire another teacher. Is that what they did? How did they get to make that adjustment? <clears throat> no, they just, yeah, they did. They end up getting, we end up getting a science teacher because we didn't have, we didn't have science for a couple months couldn't find they didn't have a science teacher so it was it was an ugly situation uh then we got a science teacher and then she then she left and then they had to go back to being back to 43 so we had a science teacher for a while and then she left and then we was back at 43 so just think about this you had you started off you had 43 mm-hmm. then they got a teacher so they took some kids out of your classroom put them with the, the science teacher then that science teacher left those kids came back to your classroom basically those kids had three different teachers they had three different settings started with you went to the new one came back to you correct yep yes that's life in a ordinary south side chicago public school possibly yeah yep it's unfortunate. And and when you had 43, how low did it get? How many, what was the, the greatest reduction that you had? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, that particular class, maybe about, the 20, about 25. I okay, so you went from 43 to 25, which mm-hmm. is manageable, and then they went back to 43. Basically. Mm-hmm. In one year. In one year. I really asked our city leaders, how is, would they want this for their kids to be in a class went from 43 to 25 to 43 in one year? They wouldn't want it and they, and they wouldn't tolerate it. They wouldn't have it. It wouldn't happen. So treat our kids like you want your kids to be treated. This would not happen to them. And it shouldn't happen to any of the kids here. I mean, we cannot, uh, this is a public school and a public school should not be synonymous with bad school. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're coming to where public school, bad school. I said my kids a private school. Every neighborhood deserves a quality school, period. Yeah. All right. Now, this existed last year. It probably existed the year before. Uh, and that's because the, the teachers of Chicago really have no recourse because it's not written in their contract Correct. that there's caps on the number of kids in a classroom. So what do you say when someone comes to you and said, don't ask for a cap? because you're just being too much of a troublemaker and they can't afford teachers, just take the money that they're giving at you and ignore the cap. What's your response? You take the money, shut up, and keep and have 43 kids in a classroom. I say come to my classroom for one month. And I wanna see after one month, and you in a room with 43 kids, after one month, I wanna hear your response. So I want them to experience just for one month. Not even the whole school year, just one month. Teach 43 kids, 
uh, manage them, manage their behavior, manage classroom procedures, teach a lesson, grade those papers, have conferences with parents, have small groups, and motivate them, talk to them when they're dealing with traumatic issues. I want you to deal with that for one month, 30 days, and then let me, and then come back and talk to me. Mm-hmm. Or send your kid there. Yeah. Yeah, this is okay. Send him there. And add, make, him, make him the 44th student. <laughs> what's one more kid yeah, in the class? Right, yeah. what's one more? We can do it. Yeah, but you yeah. might be a little crowded around that table. Yeah, okay. Make him stand. He'll be fine. Make him stand, indeed. <laughs> All right, so that's the issue of caps, and that's one of the issues on the table yeah. that you have with the board. And by the way, uh, the board says they do not have to negotiate that with you because teachers do not, uh, that's not permitted by law. It's not a strikeable issue. Right. Uh, Who so. says that, though? Like, wow. Like, why is I think I read that in the Tribune today. No, I know. Mm-hmm. I'm like, who? Like, oh, but who makes it like uh, something to say? Like, oh, I don't got it. We, we have to make class size issue because you can't legally strike over there. Yeah. Like, what employee wants to say yeah. that? Why, why say that? We mean, which leader of our public school system <laughs> would uh, be so shameful as yeah. to profess an opinion yeah. like that? Come on, like, we really? should not be discussing limits on class exactly. size. Is really, that what that's what you're saying to yeah. me. Yeah, well, that's that's what they are saying. What, uh, All right, so uh, the other uh, issue of that's um, on the table has to do with what they call wraparound employees. Mm-hmm. That was, that means those are school employees who are not in a classroom uh, per se, but they're in the building and they work with kids like a nurse, a psychologist, a social worker, uh, the librarian, et right. cetera, and so forth. Uh, the uh, Chicago Teachers Union is trying to force the Board of Education and Mayor Lori Lightfoot to agree that every school has a certain number of these employees and, uh, and to put that uh, in contract so that if they don't have these employees, mm-hmm. just like if they violate the class size, then the union could go and grieve it and force them uh, to abide by their contract. And uh, Mayor Lightfoot and the Board of Edu- Education says, no, uh, we don't want to put it in writing, but just trust us. We will, really? We will. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I know. Right? Really? Okay. So what's your response to that? Do we live in that kind of society today where somebody's going to promise you something's not in writing? Does any, because you know, our, you know, our, a lot of our athletes, they're in the union as well. Do you think that of my coach or the owner of a basketball team say, I promise I'll give you 53 million. Just, I mean, everything is in writing. Your mortgage is in writing. Every, your job is in writing. Everything is in writing. Promises don't, don't mean, your words mean nothing today. It's unfortunate. They should, but they don't carry any weight because nothing happens. So, I saw in the sometimes saying, "Oh, she promised she's gonna do this. She promised, and she wants these nurses. She and she's and if she don't meet them, then she just she won't get reelected. Really, so that's the consequence. I gotta wait for her not to get reelected. But what? But the children are gonna still suffer. So that's not a good enough consequence for me if she does not follow through on her promise. I need it in writing. I need something enforceable right then and there. I don't want to wait another four years for another election to." Say, hey, you didn't meet your promise, so, and that's not even a promise. Who's, who's to say? Uh, but I want those enforced. You have to have it in writing because if it's not in writing, then who's going to hold you accountable? And if the voters do hold you accountable, accountable which means is years from now, that's not good enough. Yeah. I need you held accountable now. And why wouldn't you want to put it in writing? Why wouldn't you want to say, hey, Trust me, this is this is what this is my word is bond, and I'm gonna put it in writing. This is my word, so I'm gonna put it in writing. Why why not do that? What is so hard about that? 
I don't think we're asking for much. I think we're asking for what is reasonable, what is morally right. These are our children. And I feel like we are, I know we are one district. And when I see that there's a disparity in our school systems, when some schools, when some schools in the same district, we all district 299. So you have some schools in the same district who have a librarian, who have art, who have music, have dance, have theater. And then you have the same, another school in the same district, different area, different zip code, but the same district who doesn't have a librarian, who just get art, no music, no theater, unless it's after school and a teacher volunteers, volunteers for that position. That's like me having three children. And I take one of those three children to New York and I take them to see a Broadway show and I take them to see the Statue of Liberty because I want to expose them to this country and I leave two behind. <laughs> yeah. Why would I do? What kind of parent would I be? Yeah. I think that's a to movie. To leave Home two Alone. behind. <laughs> it's the Home Alone movie. <laughs> Right. So what kind of parent would I be to do that? Yeah. I will take them all. And if I can't take one, then I can't take them all. But I want to take all of them. I'm going to do the best that I can to make sure they all go because they're all of my children. And I'm not going to invest in one and not invest in the other. Can you see how traumatized that would be? Somebody grew up like, oh, wow, you got this in your school? I even talked to my students about that. They, um, they were talking. We, we, went, we went somewhere. I forgot where we went. And it's like, why they got all that in their school? Why our school don't get this? And I just, and it was hard to me really to convey that because I didn't want to come off as biased, but have to ask, you know, ask yourself that question. Why this school has this and, and you don't? And we're in the same district. What does that communicate to our children? Our children already feel like, because I teach um, black and brown students, our students already feel like they're being discriminated against. And one place they should not feel discriminated against is in a school system. They should feel they should feel equity. They should feel love. They should feel like they're getting everything they need. They should not feel that they're being discriminated against in a system that's supposed to educate them fully. That they're being shortchanged, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, now uh, let's talk about the impact on a teacher if you don't have these wraparound uh, positions filled. So, for instance, if your school does your school have a nurse on a full time basis? No. Okay. Does your school have a librarian on a full time basis? No librarian at all. No librarian. Do you have a library? I have a library. So you have a library, but there's no librarian. Correct. And so, so there's just like books just sitting Funny, there. Books just sitting there, yeah. collecting dust. Collecting dust. Yeah. And uh, you used, did you used to have a librarian? Not when I was there. So I've been there five years. Five there's years. been no librarian since I've been there. So no librarian in five years, and it's because uh, essentially a principal can't afford. There's a limited amount of money that a principal can apportion to uh, his or her school, and there's no money for the librarian, either the librarian or the gym teacher. This is how it's been always said yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. The librarian or the gym teacher, the librarian or the Spanish teachers, one or the other. But it shouldn't be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what impact does it have on a classroom? you got 43 kids in your class. Mm-hmm. you got no nurse. Do you have a social worker in that school? I have a nurse, but she's only there like once a week. Oh, you got a nurse there she's once a week. She's not there every day. You have a counselor in that school? Counselor. One counselor there? One counselor. And uh, for how many kids in the school, do you know? We have about, we have a little over 300, maybe like 320. I, that's not exact, but around that. So when there's no nurse, no social worker, no counselor, or there's only one counselor, uh, what's the impact on a teacher? How does that impact a teacher's It's a huge day? impact that I have to be the nurse. I have to be the counselor. I have to be all these things. Um and it's, it's a lot because for the fact that we don't have a library, I have a class library. So I have to go, you know, I have to get books, uh, go to like the thrift stores and go different places to get books. I go to the library in my building and get books um, to put in my library. So I have to have 
independent reading time. Not that I don't, not that I have to, but I need to have independent reading time so they can have access to books. And so I have to categorize the books myself and put them in genres. So I'm a librarian because I have to categorize these books, not just by um, interest level, but by, you know, reading level. So I have to do that. I have to become a librarian. Um, if kids need an ice pack, you know, or they scrape their knee, I have to get them a Band-Aid. You know, I have to do those kind of things. I have to be the nurse. Uh, I have to call their parents. They feel like they need to go home because their head hurts. I'm that. I have to I have to hear these complaints all the time. And it would be easy if we had a nurse they can go to because they do have recess. Sometimes they do scrape, you know, scraping their knee and fall. They have gym. They may hurt themselves by accident. Or just accidents happen, period. Mm-hmm. And we have to deal with this. Or we may have to call parents. It's a strain on them. They, they have to come get them because we don't know. I can't. I don't want to diagnose a kid because that's not my job. I don't want to wrongly diagnose a child with anything or can't give them any medication, anything like that. So that's, that's a challenge for me. So it's a lot. So counselors, a lot of times they're dealing with um, students who may need special education services. A lot of times they also pull for eighth graders who are applying for high school and dealing with eighth grade requirements. A lot of times they're not utilized to talk to students who are dealing with certain issues. And that is a problem. They have to come in, they have to deal with, they have to, they're in meetings a lot. And they're not dealing with, you know, directly with the children. And that is a problem Mm -hmm. because they're going with their needs being unmet. So basically it's uh, more obligation is put on the teacher because there's not the employees that should be there uh, to meet these needs, these very real needs. Yeah, it all the time. We're short staff, so you got to. We're short staff. You need to do this. So anytime we're short staff, which is all the time, then I have to deal with the consequence of things being short staffed. Less doing more uh, Mm -hmm. is, is sort of the philosophy. Does your school have an art teacher? Yes, this year. Uh, this year. Does mm. your school have a music teacher? No. No music teacher. Does mm-hmm. your school have a drama teacher? No. I did drama after school. But no, it's not part of the the school curriculum. Nope. So there's no, uh, there's no music or drama in your school? No. I thought I just read. This. Yeah. I just read. What I read some. I know, the old, shocking, right? Well, yeah, it is shocking. Mm-hmm. It is shocking. It should be. It should be. There should be one. Uh, there should be, in my humble opinion, an art teacher, a drama teacher, and a music teacher in every school in the city of Chicago. Absolutely. And I did. I've done drama uh, for three years, and they love it. One of my students asked me, "Miss Park, are we doing a little drama play this year? If we do, I want it to be a musical." And I'm like, "Oh, that'd be hard to do because we don't have a music teacher." And I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, that musically inclined. I can write some music, but who's going to like, play, you know, there's got to be somebody play to play the, the piano. Yes. We don't, <laughs> yeah. we don't have that. And I was like, oh, yeah. that'd be such a great idea. Cause I'm a huge Hamilton fan seeing the play three times and I'm in love with it. You seen it yet? I have not seen you it. You have once. to see it. It'll change your life. Well, I'm supposed to see it before <laughs> it leaves Chicago. You have to. Uh, I'm trying to get my kids to go. It's really expensive. Um, it is expensive. It's so about Yes. So I'm trying to, I would love for them to go before it um, goes away. But I, I, and, but I said, all to say that they, you know, that play is like a musical and it's a lot of rap and we've seen a couple of plays like that as well. And I'm a, I'm a play lover and I also write, I write the plays that I produce at my school. Um, that's just the writer in me, but they don't have that. It's not part of the daily curriculum and only a couple kids, maybe like 10 kids join because it's after school and I just like I just think about well, if they had it during the school day, mm-hmm. and they're forced to you know go to class, they more may like it and realize they enjoy it. But because it's a volunteer thing, you know, you only have you know a few, but the few that do love it, and they always come the next year. Now, one of the things 
that I've heard <laughs> for so long. Uh, this is put out by uh, people who don't like public schools, people don't like public school teachers, is that uh, teachers are lazy or mm. teachers have it easy. They got the summers off. <laughs> they make uh, uh, they make good money. They should stop complaining. Essentially, the way this negotiation is going down, the mayor of the city of Chicago and her allies, uh, in, on the definitely on the editorial pages, are saying, we're giving you money. Right. Take this money take this deal and go away so we don't have to deal with the problem of kids having to be somewhere right. while you're on strike, okay? And as I see it, you're striking for something beyond the money. Absolutely. You're striking for something that has to do with classroom, uh, with, with the uh, counselors, librarians, yes. social workers. Yes. So it's not, even, it's not even the age-old thing where teachers don't care about their kids, they just want the money, you're striking for things that would help kids in the classroom when you're being told, shut up and take the money. That's it. Like, cause they're not addressing the real issue. So it's easy to say, shut up, take the money, because if this is just about money, then it was like, then people were like, what's wrong with you? So I have to make, the, they have to make it about money. And they know it's not even about the money like that. It's really about the students because we spend a lot of our money on our students. I had a student last year, an eighth grader, who could not afford graduation. He could not afford the luncheon. He could not afford uh, the cap and gown, the trip. I paid for that out my pocket. I didn't ask anybody to do that for me. I did that. And I and I would do it again if I need to. I, I buy pencils. I buy supplies. I buy kids, soap, deodorant. I buy these things out my own pocket. So it's easy to say or to paint that picture or to say that narrative that teachers are lazy, they don't care about the kids. Because again, if I if people or the general public look at us like that, then they're not gonna sympathize with us because they are believing a false narrative and that is not the truth. Teachers are not lazy. Teachers are not careless. We are very loving. We don't get in this profession to get rich because we're not going to get rich. Okay, so just to say that we're lazy and greedy, we're not making as much money as people think we are. But the money that we are making, I think we, we definitely earned it. And I'm not ever going to be apologetic about the money that I make. I have two master's degrees, I, and I've been working nearly 16 years. I should make a decent amount of money. I live in the city of Chicago. I have a son. I have a mortgage. So I should make a decent amount of money. Why should I be ashamed of that? This is not volunteer work. But at the same time, the work that I do earn and I do earn it. I earn it for my students to give them the best. And for you to publicly say, or who anybody can publicly say, teachers are lazy and greedy. And my students are watching the news. My students read the paper. I don't want my students think about that of me. And they know that's not true. And so while we talk this way about students who look at the news, who read the paper, why, how can we say that about our kids, teachers? Kids that talk, every politician at some point in time. How dare you say that? So, again, I just think that it's just, um, to me, it's that's anti-union rhetoric, and it's unfortunate because I don't understand the hostility. It's, it's very sad, and it shouldn't have to be this way. I feel like it should be um, just more negotiation in good faith. What do you need? Less compromise. Let's work together. We want what's best for the kids. Not, oh, you can't strike over this, or we might sue you, and you know this is illegal. I just think that kind of discussion, that kind of rhetoric is not – um, in the best interest of our students. And I don't think that's in the best interest of having a a cohesive relationship with each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, Chicago Teachers Union and 
CPS, we have a relationship and it should be an agreeable one. It should not be one of hostility. Well, what's your sense uh, of where this is going to go? I mean, the threat that I, I, I read it as a threat that was in today's newspaper mm -hmm. uh, from the lawyer for uh, the board, uh, the lawyer negotiating on behalf of uh, Lori Lightfoot, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, uh, sent a letter, to, I think it was to Jesse Sharkey, essentially saying, these are not strikeable issues, you understand. Right. Uh, hint, hint. Right. Uh, so it's going to get, it seems like they're taking the gloves off uh, in other words, they're saying you can't strike over like wraparound services. You can't strike over the 43 kids in Andrea Parker's uh, class. You just have to shut up and take those 43 right. kids. Uh, and uh, so I, I get the feeling things are getting a little rough and tumble. What's your sense of this? Where we're going to head with this? It is. Oh, it's, I don't know, because last in 2016, I thought the same thing. But in the midnight hour, uh, we came to an agreement. Um, I don't know. But whatever, whatever if, it, if it comes to a strike, I'm for it. I just feel like when there's no struggle, there's no progress. And if it takes me taking days I work in the name of my students' um, education, then so be it. I'm not afraid to do that. Um, I, I voted yes for the strike authorization so that 94% of the members, and so we're willing to do whatever it takes. So if it, if it comes to that, then it comes to that. Uh, I know what it takes. I've counted the cost. I know that <clears throat> I may go without money. I know that I may lose um, public respect, but I don't think we will. We didn't. I don't. We. I don't think we. We lost it last time, and I don't think we're going to lose it now. I just think that people are trying to speak on behalf of the public and um, tell our story. But I'm telling the story that we're doing what's best for our kids, and if anybody wants what's best for students and the next generation, then you'll be. You understand where we're coming from, and you'll respect what we're doing. All right, very good. That's Andrea Parker. Thank you so much for stopping in. Thank you for having me. You got to have me back. Oh, you will be back. She's pretty good at this podcasting game, isn't she? She's got uh, her own podcast. Oh. And uh, she's pretty good at the podcasting oh, well, game. Oh, thank you. And uh, I, I wish you the best of luck in the teachers of Chicago. I wish you the best of luck. I, I just don't think a civilized city, any civilized city, yes. should tolerate 43 kids in a classroom, schools without art teachers, schools without drama teachers, schools uh, without music teachers, and at the same time, schools without nurses, libraries without librarians. I think we're better than that in the city of Chicago. I would hope so. All right. Very that shouldn't good. be our legacy. And if uh, people want to hear more of your podcast, where can they find it? Oh, just, just go to um, um, CTU's uh, um, Chicago Teacher Union website, ctulocal1.org, and you will see the um, podcast. Also, we on all major podcast platforms like Spotify, so you go there and you can be able to listen to it. All right. Thank that's, you. That's it. That, that man knows his stuff. He I does. told you he was good. I got to get his number. His, his, his <laughs> name is the doctor. You know what they call him back home in Alton, Illinois, don't you? What they do? Uh, white lightning because uh, he's so fast. Oh, uh, no, okay. <laughs> but what other color is lightning, though? Whoa, man. Let somebody better ask Gary Owen that question because <laughs> that's where I got the line from. Gotcha. Andrea Parker, thank you so much. I'm Ben Jarofsky. That's a bonus show on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Take care, everybody.